0: And we are live with the Standing Room Spartans podcast, the post-spring game, quote-unquote, Standing Room Spartans podcast. Um, as you hear, we have a bittersweet return to the microphone. Um, I, I finally got my normal laptop up and running, which means my microphone is back. The bittersweet part of it is, uh, A, we're dealing with allergy season, which is never fun. Uh, So we're a little nasally here today, but also I literally woke up from a three-hour nap. So my voice is still warming up a little bit. So if that's what you hear um, coming through your headphones here on this, uh, or car stereo, whatever you want. um, Your vehicle of the podcast is. I got my co-host back. I got Scott. We are going to just kind of Talk about what we saw um, with the spring game, spring practice. Um, I feel cheated in calling it a spring game. So we'll call it the spring practice. (laughs) Um, Scott, I don't know if you were able to watch live, if you watched it today, if you watched it 10 times by now. I had it. But it's a little Sunday late afternoon here. How are we doing today? Uh, Good. A little sneezy, a lot sneezy um so hopefully we will get to the mute button before a sneeze strikes next but uh no doing good I watched it well I wouldn't say I watched it live I had it on live uh but I was repotting a tree a house plant so um I was not or a a tree it's 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 a large house plant it's like an indoor (laughs) tree like um it went well but I didn't watch much of it and I got up this morning Sunday and uh and I watched the second half i don't think i watched the position drills again yeah i so i was telling you before the pod started that i i made this an appointment to the point where i was like ready to ditch a a housewarming party early to come home just to watch the spring game live Uh, turns out the standing room puppy has a little bit of the poops so we i stayed at home anyway with her But I was laughing like after they concluded and it was over and it was like, man, I almost just like totally ditched plans for that. Like, (laughs) yeah, yeah. I mean, I missed the first 15 minutes of the broadcast when it was live and turned it on and realized very quickly that I was probably doing myself a favor by turning it on late. Uh, But we got enough to talk about. We'll dig into this. Um, There was... It was not a total loss. The second half, I don't know how many reps they had, maybe 60, 70 reps. That might be a overstated. I don't know. But um, yeah, so before we get into it, I know we got a couple items uh, throughout the week that came in. I think most notably, the commitment of Malik Carr in the transfer portal. What do you think of that? Yeah, I, I mentioned it a bit last week, and this week it was made official, um, so that's always, you know, kind of what you're looking for there, but no, it it sounds like he's going to be playing more of a tight end role than a wide receiver role. Um, I think, you know, we've, we've talked about Cam Allen as that kind of, okay, he's a tight end, but you're probably looking for him more as a receiver uh, in that, you know, big slot kind of role. And it seems like Malik Carr is that type of player. I don't know how much he's going to be lined up on the outside, truly as a wide receiver, as he's listed on the roster. Um, just given his size, he's like six four, two fifty. Um, Looks like he's got the frame to put on as much as he wants, to be honest. So, I, I like it a whole lot um as far as competition for a spot that we've talked quite a bit about, just haven't been able to find that guy to to really break through. Yeah. And th- I mean the goal line fade aspect could get him on the outside, you know, kind of the role that we were hoping Trayvon Morgan would someday find himself in. Obviously that didn't work out, but uh yeah, big big body. Um I, I think it's honestly kind of a blow to Cam Allen because uh, Malik Carr is at least on the more receiving side of things, a little bit more gifted and a little bit more mature um, given his year of experience at Purdue um, kind of trying to play a similar role to Cam Allen. So Malik Carr may be breaking out of the scene a little earlier, but we'll see. I mean, there's a lot of offseason season and that, if you want to call it a wide receiver room, I don't know if he'll be with the tight ends or the wide receivers, but that receiving core continues to be a, a strong point for this team. Yeah. We just, keep on bringing in talent. Like we kind of mentioned before the pod, um, we try not to do the podcast before we go live, but we were talking a little bit about just the feeling of the roster right now compared to what it was last year. And this is, we have one more thing to hit on before we, we get to the spring game stuff. And that's, um, there are some, some tea leaves, uh, that, Quaveris, which just sounds like it can't be the correct pronunciation, but that's how it's pronounced on the Tennessee website. Um, Quaveris Crouch, he's a linebacker at Tennessee. Uh, true sophomore, last year started every game for them at linebacker. Had a pretty nice season at eleven tackles against Texas A and M. Um, eleven starts in his career. Played a lot as a true freshman uh looks like he might be heading to Michigan State so we might getting we might be getting a former four-star pretty high-profile linebacker athlete who who could step in and I looks like the type of guy who could jump in and start right away um now none of that's official that's kind of some rumors around Twitter but Regardless of that, the roster right now, I just feel like is in such a better place than it was at this time last year. Like we're, we're just, we have players at just about every position that you feel pretty comfortable with. Now the depth is still questionable and by no means am I saying this is a top five roster in the conference, but when we look back to last year where, you know, we, we kind of drank the Kool-Aid a little bit, so to speak. And, And we were a little bit more optimistic than others. Uh, and, and I think it came down to the biggest thing where we, when we were predicting games last year, we said, you know, is this a great team? No, probably not. And if we can figure out a way to, to get decent production at the quarterback position, we could make some noise. We could win a few games and, what on the games that we did get a little bit of production out of the quarterback position, we won a couple games that, that people were surprised by. So I think we were just underselling how bad our quarterback room was last year or how long Rocky Lombardi would start. Uh, however you want to look at that. But at the end of the day, like it, it wasn't a, an exciting roster by any stretch of the imagination. And now Mel Tucker in just one off season has brought in what, Fifteen transfers, a I bunch of kids, thirteen yeah. who are like look like legitimate day one playmakers. Kenneth Walker, you know, some guys that we'll talk about. Chester Kimbrell, the the Florida transfer, I expect to play a whole lot. He has, hasn't stepped foot on campus yet, so man, it, it it does feel a whole lot better than it did this time last year. Yeah, yeah, I was kind of thinking to myself, you know, with this many new parts uh new faces around the program. Um, you know, the the optimist would say um you can see potential wherever you look in a lot of these guys. You know, there's there's so many names right now where you, you see them make one play in this televised spring practice and uh and you're like oh well if he hits you know uh we'll be in business it feels like every position group has at least one or two of those kinds of guys uh where we're just waiting to kind of see them live more to know really what they got and where we're at, um, you know, basing it off recruiting profiles and very limited highlights from last year or the previous school they were at, if they even played. I mean, it's, it's really hard to gauge these guys. So there's a lot of um, potential, I guess, to, to convince yourself that we're in, in great shape. In uh, the pessimist would say we have absolutely no idea if any of these guys are any good, um, and we may be right back to where we were yet, uh, last year, but, uh, but it's exciting. I like, I like the optimistic approach and it's, it's always fun to see that potential. Yeah. And, and again, for those who were listening, you know, last year, especially in the preseason, we are more of the optimistic folks. Uh, <laughs> I think our, our record predictions compared to the consensus were uh, a little higher, but they were generous. No. So Okay. Um, not really much else to talk about. So I guess the only other noteworthy thing is Scott and I have both watched Shrek one. So we're on the <laughs> path. Uh, will Jones win? We, we I did fall asleep for like, <laughs> like 15 minutes at some point in the second half. So I thoroughly uh, enjoyed it. Uh, I, I have some notes. I have some talking points. So we'll slowly make our way through those. And sometime this off season, you will get the Shrek breakdown, the full Shrek breakdown. Uh, but, no, it's, it's, um, let's just jump into this. Like we, we kind of talked about before, like, I don't really have a format for this. We're just going to kind of shoot the shit and see what, what we thought, uh, we weren't watching it like together, um, so to speak. So I, I don't really know the things that you wrote down. You don't really know the things that I wrote down. And like I said, I think it speak for both of us. And then we kind of tried to avoid reading too much because we don't. We don't want to regurgitate the same stuff that you're reading on, on every other website already. You've probably read like four articles about three guys who stood out for the spring game. Like I, I, I know that stuff is out there. I tried to avoid it as best I could before we recorded at least. So, um, let me grab it. I'll, I'll kick this off with a question. Um, because is I think Noah Kim, is... the starting quarterback <laughs> closed, <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, this is obviously the most pressing question. Our fans want to hear your answer to what did you think of what do you make of <laughs> Noah Kim's performance on Saturday? Yeah. So I, I guess it's important to start with the preface of all of this conversation that probably from the fans perspective, most of this was pretty meaningless, right? Like the things that we take away and the things that the coaches take away are going to be completely different. The coaches, it was very obvious that this was just another practice for them. Mm -hmm. It just happened to be in front of the fans. And so I, there's not really a whole lot to take away. I think most of the big takeaways are probably going to be overblown. So we'll start with before we like get into overhyping something, or we'll probably get pretty excited about talking about some of these guys know that in the back of our heads, we, we know, like we, we know that that we're probably blowing this up a bit too much, but um all that to say that no kim looked pretty darn good man like hey, <laughs> he did qb3 yeah he was uh definitely further along than i would have thought um i thought he was you know the the next in line to be the future backup right now you know like once theo days moved on. and maybe that is still where he is but he did not look a sign a, a significant step below the two guys, you know, who, who we consider competing for the starting job. I do think he was not in that class. I don't think he's making a run at that job. I think it's clearly Russo and and Thorn. But I thought Noah Kim looked a lot better than Theo Day. Um, so he's moving up in the pecking order. Russo's gone again next year. Uh, who yeah, knows? He he was pretty clearly taking the third team reps. I yeah. mean, Theo Day was out there for like two reps. Honestly, though, the whole time, and he got sacked, I think, on both of them. Yeah, just stood there until the Um, guys got to him. (laughs) It's since we're talking quarterbacks, right? Um, I noticed Hamp Fay, as far as like the scrimmage part, right? There was a whole lot of just practice Mm -hmm. stuff that was hard to gather anything really from. Um, and then from the scrimmage reps, Hamp Fay was out there from what I saw two reps, and he had. One where he didn't see anything open, he just tucked it and ran. And then one was a screen pass, so you didn't really he get, completed the screen, pass. he did complete <laughs> the screen pass. <laughs> um, didn't really see a whole lot from him again. Theo Day looks to be the fourth quarterback. And if you assume that by you know, he's, he's the fourth quarterback, hopefully, isn't going to have to play this year. Um, and by next year, Hamp Fay will probably have overtaken him we've talked about it a million times. I would be shocked if Theoté is still in the program. Honestly, I just, I don't know what's in it for him to stick around, but the quarterbacks, it was a mixed bag. It was raining. I mean, we have to take that into account as well, but the broadcasters, which is a whole nother topic, but the broadcasters, the, the analyst guy, I think he mentioned Russo's ball placement. It almost like, at (laughs) at a certain point, it was like he had a vendetta against Anthony Rousseau. Well, he kept saying, (laughs) he said it at least twice. (laughs) He goes, um, you know, what Rousseau struggles with is is when he throws it and where he throws it. (laughs) Those are the two things he's going to have to work on. I'm like, that's the whole game. (laughs) You know, the, the problem with Anthony Rousseau playing football is just his ability to play football. thats it. It's, it's a challenge. Yeah. No, the commentators we could, uh, we could go on about for a little while. That was pretty brutal, but um,
1: there yeah, were certain I plays thought...
0: like where I, I think Anthony Rousseau from just from what I saw on Twitter, a bunch of people, ah, he's not looking that good. And the commentator kept bringing always oh, ball placement is ball. play. there were, there were a couple throws that weren't right on the money again, but, there were also a couple throws where it was like a quick slant and he threw it low. You're supposed to do that sometimes yeah. because the linebacker is going to come in and take the dude's head off. Like you throw it low to protect him. So like, yeah, some of the throws that he missed, he missed, but some of the throws that appeared to be misses, I don't think were, I, I think they were planned to be thrown low or high. Cause that's where his guy could get it. Um, I don't know. Quarterbacks, Rousseau looked pretty good. Thorne looked pretty good. Um, Thorne seemed to be taking more of the first team reps. Take that for what you will. Again, there were a ton of guys that weren't playing. There was, you know, guys moving in and out of different groups from kind of what I noticed. But I guess that's an interesting point where it seems to be Thorne taking most of the first team reps right now, which we got a long way to go until the season, but I, I did think that was interesting. Yeah, um, I would say I would put them still in 1A and 1B and then Noah Kim at 3. Uh, I don't think there was enough meaningful difference in the reps they were getting to draw any conclusions there. But um, yeah, I thought Rousseau, the, the challenge he's going to have is that he's going to have to make the throws significantly better than thorn because he does not look like a guy that's going to extend plays and tuck it and run and add those kinds of dimensions i mean he'll keep a defense honest i'm sure as much as he can but he he he's not a running threat um so he's going to have to be a great well you know significantly better passer than his competition he even uh, mentioned that after the spring game somebody was asking him about it and he he just said straight up, like, I I'm a pocket passer is like, I, if you need me to talk and run on a third down, I can get you the yards, but that's not my game. So mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, that's, that's a good point. You know, he's, he's going to have to like, we've talked about the the flip side of the quarterback competition where thorn if if he's gonna win it out he's gonna have to be significantly better because Rousseau has so much more experience in college and you can say like yeah well thorn has experience with this offense sure not a whole lot of it um so i like thorn in general is gonna have to be significantly better just to earn the job Mm -hmm. i think but as you say there that that Rousseau to win the job is going to have to be a significantly better passer where the coaches can look through all of the practice tape and say like he on a on a play to play basis throws the ball better obviously better because like you said he doesn't bring that running threat so he's going to have to be um, significantly better in that aspect but yeah, I don't know. The quarterbacks again, it's a rainy day. There were some drops. There were some some throws that got away. Um, there were a couple beautiful balls, both to Jaden Reed, yeah. uh, which maybe is is telling there. Uh they had there was the thorn seam pass by 40 yards in the air, right on the money. Rousseau dropped it in the bucket down the sideline to Reed. Uh those were the I guess the plays that really stuck out stuck mm-hmm. out, uh, among the rest of the practice, just because there were deep balls, there were to our star receiver who made the switch to the number one, where he, he looks good in that number one, I will say. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't know the, every, everything looked solid as far as the quarterbacks are concerned. Yeah. So I, I am going to ask you at the end of the show, if uh, week one is next week, who are you suiting up as QB one, but we'll save that and we'll go over to wide receivers. Cause I, I wanted to make a point to talk about Jaden Reed as well. Um, and I think there's an interesting situation between Reed and Naylor that they're, they both look like ready to be wide receiver one in that wide receiver room. And I mean, they can play together all the time. So there doesn't necessarily need to be a distinction, but Jaden Reed, uh, whether you want to call it controversy around the number one or just the two of us complaining about it. (laughs) Um, He certainly seems to be taking that role seriously and uh, we'll get to the cornerbacks because I think he may have had some things going in his favor as far as the coverage he was facing, Uh, but he looked phenomenal. Um, And uh, yeah, hopefully that's the thing to come as Plaxico Burr said uh, when Darian Harris was interviewing him, he wants to see some touchdowns. So I think, we all can get behind that message. I was speaking of that guy. I, I made a note here because Plexico Burris back in East Lansing, uh, like he mentioned it in the product. I don't think people realize like he's, he straight up said, he's like, Hey, I haven't been here since the nine, like 98 or whatever. Like, he hasn't been on campus since the nineties and Mel Tucker brought him back. Like Mel Tucker, I think has done a, an outstanding job of engaging with the former players. We saw all over social media last week. um, One of the spring practices that they brought back like tons. Kari Willis was there. Dark West Denard was there. Uh, RJ Williamson was there. There, there was uh, Lawrence Thomas. I know Uh, there were just a handful of dudes that they just invited back. And, and, you know, I think he has done it a tremendous job as somebody who had very little experience with Michigan state before he came here as a grad assistant under Nick Saban to, to really make that a focal point of, of his program and saying, yeah, like th- this, this was your program. You guys built this feel free, come back whenever you want. You'll be treated with hospitality and everything. And Plaxico Burris being there, that was a big deal. Uh it, just to see him, and again, Super Bowl champion, like hasn't really been associated with the school for a long time, and and not to say that he had like anything against the school, and he was wasn't coming back for a reason, but just he didn't have any reason to. He's like, yeah, I don't know, you know, that's where I went to school, but for him to come back for a spring game, uh, that was a pretty big deal. And, and Darian Harris, on that note, did a great the, the one part of the broadcast that was actually enjoyable was Darian Harris did a great job. Uh, coach D'Antonio was there, looked great, looked yeah. healthy and <laughs> like, he wasn't going to die any given minute, which was great to see. Um, yeah, the Darian Harris did a great job. Yeah. Yeah. He's been one of my favorite, um, folks to follow you know on Twitter and throughout you know this new regime since he got this director of player engagement role under Tucker and it seems like he is doing a ton with that um, for incoming freshmen for the players in general for community outreach and social causes and everything I mean he's just really taken that by the horns and I don't usually get that excited about staff members but (laughs) Um, I think, yeah, he did great, a great job on the broadcast. I thought it was, it was nice of big 10 to have somebody from inside the, from inside the program who can kind of be the liaison for the broadcast, um, and give us kind of the behind the curtain scoops. My favorite Darian Harris part. I, I don't know if you caught this, uh, was when he was talking about the, uh, managers and trainers. (laughs) <laughs> and yeah. It was like talking about the, the practice speed. And you could see that pretty clearly on, on TV where they were moving between drills Yeah, and setting the ball and everything. And he, he goes, yeah, we, we actually just, uh, like last week we had like a highlight reel for the managers and trainers of, you know, getting the ball placed and everything. And and they had their own like conditioning program and the lady who was doing the broad, she was just laughing. She's like, oh, ha, ha. like, really? And he's like, yeah, like, it was just so like, matter of fact, like, uh, why would I lie about something like that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. And it's, I mean, it's perfect. Um, for Mel Tucker's program, just energy everywhere. I love it. Speaking of um, Darian Harris and kind of a pivot here to the defensive line, Jalen hunt, um, quote unquote could be one of the best defensive linemen ever at Michigan State. Wrote that down question mark. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I expected thing big things for him from the flashes we saw last season, but like big things being like a like a strong starter someday. Um being one of the best defensive tackles or defensive linemen ever to come through the program, that's like a Put the spotlight on this kid right now, kind of statement. There, I don't. Re- I was thinking about this. I was trying to figure out which game it was. Uh, there was a game last year. I don't know if you remember. The broadcaster said they were talking with Scotty Hazelton before the game. You know, just asking. They do the coach interviews before all the broadcasts just to get some some tidbits to talk about. And he had said that Jalen Hunt was one of the three best players on the defense. Last year, uh, during the season, and I forget which game it was. I forget who the broadcaster was, but I I very clearly remember that comment because I was like, "What? <laughs> Excuse me? Antoine Simmons, Naquan Jones, Shakur Brown, all going to the NFL, most likely. And then you had Xavier Henderson, you have Jacob that you have some of these guys who have yeah. been playing for a long time, and." Yeah. I think in the program, they think this dude is going to be the next big thing. And you saw some flashes. There was like that when they were doing the third and long drill where, you know, all the defensive line was just pass rushing. They were setting up some pretty deep balls. So, so they had a little bit of time to get home and Jalen Hunt had that little inside spin move on the guard and he was in there in a heartbeat. And it was like, I I just kind of stopped, whoa, big dudes aren't supposed to move like that. (laughs) If you remember, I think it was the Penn State game and Matt Carrick was just getting beat every single play. That was against Matt Carrick, and I was like, oh, geez. Um, But maybe we can give him a little bit of slack if if this Jalen Hunt truly is, you know, this – I'm not, I don't want to blow it out of proportion, but this big talent, um, yeah. I, so on the D line, I had a couple other notes here. Uh, somebody that I mentioned actually before the, the spring game. So I want to pat myself on the back a little bit here. Simeon Barrow, number eight. If yeah, wow. If anybody else saw him pop out a little bit, I thought he made some plays that really impressive like just a really quick first step getting into the backfield causing some havoc again like i get it i know spring practice all of that but he looked really impressive and he looked like th- this was one of the things that i was kind of looking for is just you can kind of see just from their their size their where they're carrying their weight like you can see some of these guys and say oh he he looks like He's carrying his weight well. He looks like he had a good offseason program, all that kind of stuff. Simeon Barrow was one of those guys. Another one that that popped out for me. Uh, and I, I had to go into the roster because I saw the number. I was like, who is that dude? Yeah, and he looks I know what's coming. Chris Mayfield. Oh, that's it was not a what defensive was tackle who lined up wearing number thirty. And I was like, okay, first oh. of all. Who the hell's that guy wearing number 30, he was full like legs and ass. So he's listed at shirt six foot two, 295 pounds as a red shirt freshman. He was carrying probably 200 of those pounds in his thighs and in his ass, which sounds weird. I know but I, I listen to a ton of football content. I read a ton of football content. And that's one of the things where, where pro scouts are looking for a lot, like not, not hyperbole. One of the first things that they'll look for in most football players is like legs and ass, because that's when you can carry that power and yeah, I, the the first thing that caught my eye was there's a defensive tackle wearing number thirty. <laughs> like, what? But then, speaking the, of weird numbers, you yeah, have uh, He made a couple plays, so that's somebody red shirt freshman, Chris Mayfield. Just just remember that name. I, I have a funny feeling. I got a nice um a, a good vibe from him. Diamond so in the rough, perhaps. I, I think that's somebody that that maybe we'll be talking about. And in one or two years, and not necessarily saying for this year, but I hope he keeps number 30. That was aesthetically very interesting. Guys and numbers that you wouldn't expect. Um, We got our first look at Brandon Wright getting some reps in the pass rush, kind of late in the broadcast. I thought he looked good Um, as a third down speed rush specialist. I think, I mean, I'm sure he certainly has a lot of work to do yet but his speed was clear he got home on one where Theo Day was in admittedly I think Theo Day just kind of stood there like a statue for way too long but Brandon Wright got around his man on a speed rush and got home with it um did you see Drew Jordan at all I I wasn't keeping an eye out for him but I don't actually remember seeing him on the field I he didn't really make any play I did see him out there um okay looks good as uh, again, just as far as like you look at the way they're carrying their weight, the body, he looks like a big 10 defensive lineman. That's for sure. So I didn't see him make any plays out there, but I did see him looks good. Uh, That's about the extent of it. Michael Fletcher also another big body defensive end who fits the bill. I think, uh, the color commentary guy called him a tall drink of water. Make that what you will (laughs) make with that what you will. Um, but he, I think, is still a pass rushing, rushing specialist. There was a rep um, where Kenneth Walker was taking it to the right side and Fletcher had contained on the left and just absolutely crashed himself into the scrap. And it was an easy cutback for Walker, who made the right play. And he, I mean, it was a good rep for Walker too. Um, and we'll talk about him a little bit. But yeah, Fletcher, I think, still has some work to do to be a, an all-around um, defensive end, but I think, you know, third down guy, bigger body, uh, going for a little bit more power. I think he'll, he'll fit that role probably this year. Yeah. The, the traits with Fletcher are obvious. So when, once he puts it all together, I think he could be scary. And like I mentioned uh, last week, two weeks ago, I don't even remember. Um, you're looking at a defensive end rotation where it's deep this year, but after 2021, that thins out real quick. Cause our top three guys are, are all gone. So he's, he's going to be a rotational guy again this year, but by 2022, he's going to be asked to be the dude. So I'm going to need to see just, you know, again, just keep progressing, keep getting better, uh, keep getting more consistent. Um, the rest of the defense there were, <laughs> oof. I wrote down, uh, Noah Harvey still slow. <laughs> that was that was a note that I he's made. He's a leader now, though apparently, right? But he's still, which slow. is very frustrating. It it was it, I get the vibes that I got from Rocky Lombardi last year in the sense yeah. that like the whole off season the coaching staff just keeps talking up the leadership, and I'm like, there he's going to be enough of a quote unquote leader that he just has to start, and yep. that's very frustrating to me. Uh the, it was it was some like wide stretch run play, and it was just you, you can tell he's like running, but it looks just like he's like casually jogging over to the sideline. it's yeah. just like, oh god, I don't need to see this again for an entire season. Um Cold DeMarzo, your boy. I, I wanted to bring this up. So I, I brought up my guy, Simeon Barrow. Cold DeMarzo made a couple nice plays. Yeah. Yeah, he came out there first team. I I think Chase Klein is a little dinged up. Uh, He didn't participate at all. So I I do think Chase Klein is still the other starting linebacker as of right now. But um, with Klein out, you know, you would think number three linebacker comes up. We thought before the spring, maybe that'd be somebody like Hightower, uh, looks like Cole DeMarzo is linebacker three right now. And yeah, he made some good plays, as did Cal Holiday, Halliday, who maybe is linebacker four. Um, both of them looked pretty good given the competition. I wouldn't say either of them looked outstanding. But, um, but yeah, plays to be made in linebacker. I still think the linebacker situation, I don't think our – All of our starting linebackers coming this fall are on the roster right now. I don't know if it'll be one more. I don't think it'd be pretty hard to find two of that quality. We got the dude from Minnesota coming in, right? Who wasn't there in the spring practices. So that'll be one guy who is, uh, I, the name is escaping me right now, but that'll be a guy who is definitely going to be in the mix at least for, for, uh, uh, one or two spot on the depth chart. Another guy I wanted to shout out because I, I know he's not going to be in for significant playing time, but he did make a play. <clears throat> it was in the, uh, before the scrimmage part, it was like a seven on seven type thing or something. Um, Terry O'Connor. Did you know that this guy is on the roster? I do not I don't even know if it's Tyler's brother or something, but he looks yeah. identical to him and his last name is O'Connor. So I'm assuming he is but I yeah, would also yes. assume that they would put that in the bio and it's not. So I don't know if it's just a very strange coincidence that he has the same last name and looks exactly the same. Um, He had a nice interception. So I wanted to shout out to Terry O'Connor uh, linebacker he? number 58. It was, it was before the, the normal scrimmage part. Okay. It was like the seven on seven or something. Yeah. Um, he kind of dropped into a zone and, and, Made a nice play on the ball. So I wanted to shout him out. He got a few, few probably the last time that we'll talk about him the rest (laughs) of the season. So I wanted to make sure that that we got his name out there. Speaking of uh, interceptions, um, Michael Dowell had a good one. I would say as much as anyone on defense or at least the back seven was on Saturday, he was all over the field. Yep. Um, He made a lot of plays. He had another pass deflection where he reached back behind him, uh, knocked one down and uh, just generally seemed to have a nose for the football. I think they played him a little bit more down in the slot. The note that I wrote down was basically uh, you know, where will Michael Dahl start? Not, Will he? I think he'll be a starter. They might bounce him around throughout the season, too. He's kind of a Swiss army knife uh, back there. But it looked like that. And I think if, if you're looking at him and Gross, they like his size down low a little bit more because he can co- kind of come in, play outside linebacker hybrid, whereas Gross is a smaller body. And I think if they both are ready for it, I think Dowell in the slot with Gross over the top at that open free safety position makes a lot of sense. Yeah, that that was something I actually thought about as well. But Dowell, yeah, he, uh, again, it's as impressive as anybody else. Just as as far as a guy who was running around making plays, looked good, looked athletic. Um, and the last guy that really stood out uh, was the incoming transfer. I I had heard some a little bit of buzz in the spring practices that hey this guy could start like he's he's making some plays As Kendall Brooks the uh incoming transfer from North Greenville the D2 product who didn't mm-hmm. play at all in 2020 which is really impressive that he hasn't played football on a f- like you know in an organized since, since since 2019 uh 2020 missed the whole year due to covid Uh, not, not himself. I don't know. Maybe he had it, maybe he didn't, but the, the team didn't play that. That's probably an important thing to mention. Um, transfers into Michigan state comes in in spring practices and just immediately looks like a darn good ball player. So, um, Kendall Brooks, he made a couple, uh, plays. There was one pass breakup on the sideline during that two minute drill phase that, that stood out to me where he he just went up, met the ball, perfect timing, swatted it away. So I wanted to to give a shout out here to Kendall Brooks, who again, you know, we're, we're going to need corners to step up. And he's somebody that on the other side of Kalon Gervin could be really making some noise for that job before some of the other guys get on campus before fall camp. He could be one of those guys that like, okay, maybe he gets passed up but he, he might have a leg up on that competition going into the fall. Yeah, yeah, and that's an interesting, I wrote down <clears throat> that we just don't have the corners figured out yet other than Kalen Gervin on the outside. I mean, it looks like there's some options, but in the first, second, and third team offense, we're putting balls over the top on this defense and comp- completing them with – Far more regularity than you would want out of your defense. <laughs> um, I mean, when Noah Kim and Ian Stewart are are chewing up your secondary, there's hey, definitely that's, still that's future a lot All of- Big Ten Noah <laughs> Kim to to Ian Remember Stewart. Remember that connection, you know. um, Kirk Cousins to Aaron, to to Benny Fowler. Connor Cook to Aaron Burbridge, Jeff Smoker to Charles Rogers, Noah Kim to Ian Stewart. Just rolls right off the tongue. Just, it's the next one off the line. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I think the secondary's got a lot of questions to be answered, uh, but we knew that all this, we, all we know is we're not there yet. Um, but yeah, my, we've got Michael some options, Gravely, you mentioned- the the early enrollee wasn't available I I would have really liked to see him just because I was really intrigued by his play style, uh, in high school. So that was a guy I would have liked to see more. You mentioned Chris, chase Klein wasn't available. Michael gravely was the other significant defender who, who was not available for that practice for, for one reason or another, I'm assuming he was dinged up some kind of injury, but. Yeah. So. The last guy I wanted to mention, I don't think we got a very good look at the running backs, but, uh, Kenneth Walker first glimpse at him with the rock in his hands. I thought he looked good. I thought he showed a little bit of what everybody's talking about. I don't think we, he had enough reps to really, uh, most of his reps, I think were pre contact phase right. and with that's, the running backs. The it's so where, hard to know how right. they're running. Um, when they're not lowering their shoulder or, or seeing how they manage traffic. So um, he had that nice cutback. I mentioned when Fletcher crashed down, he he read it well. And I think he got like eight yards or something, but running backs uh, Donovan Eaglin, I think I mentioned on the last podcast, maybe it was just in the group chat looks really big, like a nice bowling ball. Who's getting some reps in there. So I expect this fall, he'll, probably have a very niche role a couple packages just to get the ball in his hands a couple times a game maybe but um you know another name that you kind of forgot about i think he redshirted last year and then jumps back up after his redshirt year uh but the running backs, speaking of yeah, thick running backs did you get a glimpse of connor hayward out there <laughs> he's, oh god he is looking thick this year <laughs> yeah he's uh He's definitely accepting his role on the team as the, uh, the smasher, I guess, um, did not look (laughs) any different from the Connor Hayward we've known for the last two (laughs) or three years, same same dude, (laughs) maybe a little bigger in the belly, but, uh, generally, yeah, same guy. Um, and, uh, yeah, I don't know what else. Yeah. No, Kenneth Walker, I did want to mention, um, he had a couple plays that, that, Stood out a little bit again, as you mentioned, most of it was uh you know, you're not tackling to the ground. So you don't see, you know, one of the things that we really liked about him was his ability to break tackles, and you you can't see that in a spring practice. So uh there were a couple nice plays. You mentioned the cutback, but uh in general, like he just he just looked like a good running back, but it's you're not really seeing a whole lot. Um, You saw little glimpses of of why he's gotten a whole lot of buzz this offseason as as just a potential stud that that people have really mentioned. Uh, Jarrett Horst, I don't don't know if you keyed in on him at all. I tried to make it uh, a focus when I did notice him out there. He was playing left tackle, so I guess um, before this note, There were a handful of guys who weren't available. A lot of them on the offensive line, uh, JD Duplain, AJR Curry, Luke Campbell, and Blake Boyder were not suited up. So there were some interesting combinations out there. I did think it was still a little bit noteworthy to see Kevin Jarvis playing right tackle for, for most of the time out there or all of the time that I noticed at least. Uh, again, AJR Curry, not suited up, but I uh, thought that was interesting. I've had a thought recently that I've shared on Twitter. I haven't shared on the podcast. What if Jarrett horse just takes the left tackle job? Yeah. Like we, I, mean... I think we've dismissed that because well, well, AJ are curious on the left side, but when has AJR Curie been a good enough player on the (laughs) left side that we're just locking him into a job? Like I, that's one of those things that it kind of came on my radar recently. And I've it's, it's been, it's been a take that's been stewing in my brain. And then I saw him lining up at left tackle and played pretty darn well. Like he had a couple, like there was a pass pro set where he's in pass protection and he pancaked a dude. I was like, Oh, mm-hmm. like we, we got a ball player here and i i had that thought where i'm like we've just penciled in ajr curry as the starting left tackle where I, I i've seen this on twitter i've seen this in different articles whether it's the free press whether it's the athletic whether it's whatever just projecting the depth chart and i think well, you know we've done the same where you assume uh okay Jarrett Horst is going to come in he's going to play right tackle uh Kevin Jarvis is going to move back inside. But the, the argument that I've, I, I received, so I, I put this out on Twitter. I got a couple responses and and they were like, it was the same thing where they were like, well, AJR Curie hasn't played the right side before. Uh, and I'm like, well, neither has Jarrett Horst. Like he's, he's been a left tackle his whole college career And it seems like he was a lot better at it than AJR Curry was. Like, I, I think we've dismissed that. And I think that's something that we need to keep an eye on. I think there's a distinct possibility that Jarrett horse just takes the left tackle job and we figure out the rest of the offensive line. But I just, that was a thought that I've had that as an MSU community, it seems, and the writers and the, podcasters whatever I don't tend to listen to any other MSU podcasts just because I don't want to be like taking content um knowingly but yeah I just I I really think that's a possibility that we need to start kind of acknowledging and Jarrett Horst looked really good yeah I mean AJ has been relatively good has certainly played almost the entirety of his offensive career at at left tackle um but like you said so is Jarrett Horst AJR Curie is not a stud left tackle he's like a a gap fill I would say left tackle where you're comfortable enough to start him but you know he's not all big 10 level um Jarrett Horst I think was all conference granted in a far weaker conference but um he's also a very good natural left tackle and you have to move one of them. Maybe our moves because he knows the playbook on both sides better. Cause he's been in it for an extra year, you know, whatever the, the, the de- determining factor is, but um, maybe he if just our, gets beat out. Like, right. No, that's <laughs> yeah. And, and if, um, if he was hurt now, but if you were projecting our Curie to be at left tackle week one and, and horse to be at right. And our Curie goes down for the spring game. Wouldn't you want Horst right. getting more snaps on the right side anyway? Right. Um, and that's not where he was. Yeah. So that was, again, I know spring practice, you know, but <laughs> when you read between the lines again, like what you mentioned, if, if he's playing left tackle the whole, every rep from what I saw, he was on the left side Jarvis was on the right side that would indicate that he's either the backup left tackle or you know that's he's pushing for the left side and I I don't know I I think it's just something we need to keep an eye on because it's it's been a little bit strange to me you know we talk about like Kenneth Walker as an incoming transfer who can take the running back job right away because none of our running backs on our roster have been good enough to hold on to that spot and secure that spot. Like we talked about tight ends where it's like anybody who comes in here can compete for that starting job right away because none of the guys on the roster have been good enough. Linebackers, the same thing. And left tackle should be right there where it's just like, Hey, this guy he's been sure he has been Okay he hasn't been good enough to just put right into that spot because he's been there. So I don't know, something, something to keep an eye on, um, the, the first team, if you will, uh, offensive line, this, this was a tweet that I did, uh, take from Steven Brooks, from 247 uh da, 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 da. the the starting offensive line was Jarrett Horst left tackle James Ohanba who looked like a mountain at left guard uh he's listed i i had to check this cuz he's only listed 64 310 which is like you know decent size for a guard it's nothing special but he looked way bigger than everybody else out there. I don't know. It was only six, four, just six, four, three, yeah, seven, right. you know, that's it. <laughs> Matt Allen at center, uh, Carrick at right guard and Kevin Jarvis at right tackle. So for what that's worth, that was seemed to be the first team group. Again, Duplain was out with injury, um, saying that will not be our starting no, lineup no. week one. No, you have two potential starters. I think with Duplain, uh, or three, I guess Duplain, our Curry, and Blake Boyder, uh, I think three potential starters that were out. Luke Campbell, I just he's had such a wacky career. Uh, I, I have a hard time penciling him in for any of these spots, but uh, another guy who wasn't available. So, yeah, take that for what you will. That, that was seemed to be the first team group running out there on the offensive line. Uh, anything else on offense? Cam Allen had a catch. It was like three yards, but you know, good to see him out there. It was from Noah Kim. Uh, of course, as all the catches were. <laughs> no, I don't, uh, Ian Stewart. I know we mentioned him in passing. He did have a phenomenal game as far as guys, you wouldn't expect well, game practice. As far as guys, you wouldn't expect to be making a big splash in a spring football event. Uh, Ian Stewart. Had some really impressive catches. Um, yeah, tight ends Gillison again. I didn't really, I know he's out there for a few reps, but I didn't really see him do didn't anything. Didn't even notice that he was um, on the field. Gissinger had a couple catches at tight end. Uh, Guajardo was getting a couple of reps. So tight end is still very fluid. Um, Speaking and, and more of, of Guajardo, that kind of, did you see the picture of the like before and after with him? <laughs> Yeah, Holy I don't know what shit. they're what they're feeding them in East Lansing. This, <laughs> this whole new strength and conditioning nutrition program is uh something to write home about, I guess. Hopefully they'll they'll let some alumni get in on that program too. <laughs> yeah,
1: I'd last so, about
0: an hour. I don't even know <laughs> if I'd make it that far. No way. No chance. <laughs> uh, well, the the last note I had was just uh, to to kind of wrap up the the talk was it was <clears throat> a, a little different than say, things that we've seen in the past. It was, I, I wrote down, it was a no frills spring game. I, you know, in the past we've seen, which, which is funny because Mark D'Antonio was such a just football guy. He wasn't in it for the media. He didn't like talking to the media. He was just that old school kind of coach. And we saw Draymond green suit up in a spring game, play some tight end for f- you know, for the fans, for fun. We, we didn't see anything for the fans on Saturday, like for better or for worse. That was Mel Tucker just showing his cards of like, Hey, this is my football team. We're doing a football practice. And if you want to put it on TV, fine. Okay. But like, we're doing a football practice. And you know, he mentioned like, okay, we want the fans to see how we approach the game. And it was just, I don't know if there's like a disconnect or if it was intentional or unintentional, but it was just funny hearing how Mel Tucker seemed to be doing this for the fans. And I don't know if he knew or cared if none of the fans were interested. In it. <laughs> yeah, no, I think it, I do think he was, I think this whole program now is playing things more from a marketing perspective than d'antonio was interested in you know social media everything else um i think this was a big calculation for recruits i think they wanted because they can't have recruits on campus they want to be able to show a recruit this is this is life in our program this is what practice looks like so they can start envisioning themselves in the program you know without that on campus perspective Um, so I think that honestly is why they made it look so real as a practice. Um, and, and like you said, no frills, no kind of (laughs) Draymond green chintzy, have a basketball player go up for a goal line fade, whatever. Uh, but it was, it was good. I thought, I mean, it was certainly, we talked about this before we started recording as a fan, it was a bummer. Like it just wasn't exciting. Um, it was as. Dull as you could make a televised football practice um but you know i from tucker's perspective i could see how this in his mind would be the best thing for the program right now just get an honest um practice in you know stick to the routine so the players are actually getting something out of the practice in the day and then show the recruits what we're doing so i think it, it made sense from that perspective hopefully more exciting football will be on the way this fall yeah there's there's something to that where I Mel Tucker hasn't gotten a whole lot of spring practices in his career, uh in general as a head football coach, but at Michigan State specifically. And I I do think there's something you only get a couple of weeks of these. So to to take one of them and just make it some fun scrimmage game for the fans, like you're you're wasting one of like what, 12, 13, 14 opportunities. So I think in his mind, it was just, you know, no, this is another day to, to practice and get better. And we're going to show the fans, the energy we're going to show the recruits, the energy, like you mentioned. But yeah, that, that was something that was kind of funny where he, the, all of the, his comments about the format and everything was like, we want to show the fans what we, you know, and, and all the fans seemingly on social media that I follow were just like, yeah, that was dull. <laughs> so I don't know, like as you guys have heard for the last hour, like there were a few takeaways. There were some things that I think are interesting. Again, we know, um, so for all of the, Comments that we may or may not have made about this guy could be a starter, this guy looks like he could be a but we know it's one spring practice, we get it. But this is the only thing that we have to work off for the last 167 days since the Penn State game. And for the next
1: I think it's 130 until the next like 131
0: (laughs) days. What's the I think it's I think it was 132 no yes I know we're so. on the road at Northwestern week one. I don't nobody know let us get past ninety-nine because we need to send out a picture of one of the famous Bubba 99s. Smith, Bubba Smith kwan maybe Jalen Hunt. Who knows? Kill Bubba Kill. We'll see. So that's that should be in like a month and a half, Kevin. Yep. The countdown has will begin. Uh I, I always love that the, uh, the, the people start getting into it. You you can see like, cause it, for those who have no idea what I'm talking about, um, on Twitter at standing room MSU, we'll do the countdown. So at starting at 99 days away from kickoff, um, we'll start counting it down. So I'll put a player who was number 99, who was number eight, 98, and we'll put a picture of a player we'll, we'll post the countdown and, and, uh, at the beginning it gets a little bit hype. And then once you get through like the seventies and 60s you we're struggling to find some, some guys gets a little dull, but you know, people start getting into it. I know our guy Spart antiques on Twitter. He always, he always responds with some random dude. Nobody's ever heard of who has like his rookie card or something. He's that that's one of the best follows on Twitter for, for anybody. It's like, it's, it's spelled out like Spartan antiques, but only with, it's like Spartan antiques condensed. So follow him. He's, he's got so much just random, awesome MSU memorabilia uh, that he'll post all the time. So I do appreciate him and, and his replies to all of the, uh, the countdown posts, which is some random dude that nobody's ever heard of. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Anything else before we get out of here? Oof. Uh, no, it made me definitely hungry for more football. Uh, we were kind of in a sports lull. So I was like, you know, oh, yeah, you, we got the spring game. I was excited. But, uh, you know, it wasn't like regular season, and then I got a little taste again watching the players and, uh, you know, evaluating them and seeing some touchdowns and reminded me what we have to look forward to. Hopefully a full season. Uh, Hearing a little whisper from the fans uh, when they were cheering on Saturday was a reminder that hopefully we will have stadiums full of football fans again this fall for a full season. Um, Hopefully we'll be playing better, too a lot, a lot to look forward to in East Lansing. Yeah. And again, uh, for those who, you know, thought it was dull, it was boring, whatever. Um, that's the only Michigan state football you got until September 4th. So, (laughs) you know, enjoy it, take from it what you can. And, uh, it's, it's a long off season. So, Uh, Follow on Twitter at Standing Room MSU and at Spartan Martin 18. Follow on Instagram at Standing Room Spartans. Head over to the website, standingroomspartans.com. Follow the the podcast, like subscribe wherever you're listening Spotify, Apple. Uh, Leave a review if you listen on Apple. Uh, Spotify doesn't have that feature. I wish it did, but uh, leave a review on Apple if you're listening there. If you're not, I would appreciate it, but I don't want to make you go out of your way. Um, Other than that, yeah, have yourselves a phenomenal Monday. The rest of your week we will be back next week and through the whole offseason. Every single week, we'll do uh, once a week shows through the whole offseason until we start getting closer to the games. Uh, We'll head to two times a week throughout the whole season. So have a great Monday. Have a great rest of the week. Go green. Go white. Take care, folks.